Ladies and gentlemen, this song is dedicated to not only the greatest and most underrated state governor of this or any generation, but also to the greatest and most underrated professional wrestler of this or any generation. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I give you Jesse Ventura! Hey guys, welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast. My name is Jack, and thanks for downloading this episode. What a great week to be in the podcast business, because this week, folks, you downloaded this episode because we have Conrad Thompson on our podcast. He chose the movie, No Holds Barred, and my friends, what a great pick, Conrad. Good work, sir. Uh, and you're going to enjoy this episode. First things first, though. We are a Revolver Podcast Network podcast. Go to revolverpodcasts.com and check out our podcast, download, listen, or you can check out other podcasts that are on there as well. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Download. You need to subscribe, rate, and review. Helps us out a lot moving up charts, charts and graphs. Also, we're on Twitter, at One Horrible Movie. Follow us on that Twitter Again, uh, we are also on Facebook, so like us on Facebook. Really, uh, you can also find a shirt. Do you like t-shirts? Because we have them. The Horror Movie Podcast t-shirt. Go to thehorrormoviepodcast.com. That's a website designed by Orange Tie Web Design Marketing and Branding, and they do a phenomenal job. I describe that website as functional. It's Farley. It's Farley? Farley? It's way better than functional, folks. It's good in fact check it out it's great uh without further ado no more ado folks i'm done with the ado uh but there is a little doo-doo in this episode you'll you'll understand what i'm talking about when you get there guys conrad thompson knocks out of the park despite my crazy self and uh man it's awesome so check it out conrad is the man and you are going to enjoy this episode no holds barred starring hulk hogan Tiny Lister, and a cast of thousands. Uh, and it's a beautiful movie, a beautiful episode. And Conrad Thompson in five, a four, a three, a two, one. No holds barred. This week on the Horror Movie Podcast, we are so blessed. With the man, the myth, the legend, Conrad <laughs> Thompson. Man, Conrad, welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast. Wow, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. I, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this movie, and uh, this ought to be a good time. Uh, it, you know, when you we started talking about you coming on, and I said, "What you know, what movie?" And you immediately responded, "Well, No Holds Barred, of course." So, sure. Um, man, what a great. What a, what a perfect pick! Uh, what a perfect pick for any podcast to talk about. No holds barred. Hey, Conrad, I want you to tell us a little bit about what you have going on. Uh, what do you have? What, what do you have going on? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I'm here today to promote a couple of podcasts and my mortgage company. First of all, if you'd like to save a mortgage, which isn't the most fun thing to talk about in a podcast, 
uh, we can save you some money at First Family Mortgage at 1FMC.com. Uh, but the real reason I'd like to be on here, especially talking about No Holds Barred, is to promote two wrestling podcasts for MLW Radio. It's Woo Wednesday. Every Wednesday at uh, 9 p.m., we have the Ric Flair Show at MLW Radio. You can find it anywhere podcasts are, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you like. Uh, it's all there. Tune in radio, Stitcher, ev- everywhere podcasts are. Uh, and then on Fridays at noon, I co-host the Bruce Pritchard Show, which we call Something to Wrestle With. Uh, we don't have guests on that show, so it's a little different from most wrestling podcasts. We talk about, hey, what happened when? And we really dig into one specific moment in time, one character, one angle, one storyline, what have you, from the 80s and 90s, uh, as Bruce was the right-hand man of Vince McMahon. And you can catch both of those shows every week, Wednesdays and Fridays, at MLWRadio.com. Hey, I'm telling you, um, both of those podcasts, I've, I've listened extensively to both those podcasts, and uh, obviously you and Rick's podcast, uh, Rick Flair Show, phenomenal, phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, Bruce Pritchard, though, man, I, I always – here's I'm really excited that MLW Radio has him on uh, and has he, he, he and you are doing that podcast because anytime Bruce comes on someone else's podcast or, you know, anytime he comes on, like I, I – he is such a wealth of knowledge about the wrestling industry and just about uh, – like you said – so close to the McMahon, to Vince McMahon, and uh, man, just tight in there. So it's it's awesome to get that knowledge. Like from from my end, you're you play the inside baseball route, my friend. <laughs> from my end, though, it's much it's very much like uh, uh, really finding out about kind of the you know uh, behind the scenes type stuff is is the cool part. That's the cool part about being a wrestling fan when you really, especially if you've been one for you know several decades. So. No, I agree totally. That's It's my favorite show to do. Uh, obviously, I'm really good friends with Rick, but uh, Bruce's show is the most fun because if you're really uh, you know, a wrestling nerd and you grew up on the stuff as a kid from the 80s and 90s, then you really like knowing those little details about you know behind the scenes and the peek behind the curtain, and Bruce gives you the full deal. That's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, now, do you have any social media? Are you? I think you're on Twitter. Is that correct? That's right. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, all that stuff, uh, and my handle is the same for all of it. Hey, hey, it's Conrad. That's awesome. Well, hey, hey, it's Conrad. Listen up, my friend. Uh, You're on the Horror Movie Podcast, and it is time for everyone's favorite segment. I get fan mail, millions of of letters, like (laughs) with postage stamps on them, handwritten letters about the deets and the details. That's everyone's favorite segment of this podcast. Um, all that was a lie, actually. That's actually 100% lie. Uh, but it, it's a great segment. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. It's time for some deets. Okay, so No Holds Barred. Um, starring one Hulk Hogan. My gosh, Hulk Hogan. Um, acting chops, would you say? His acting chops, uh, I mean, have you seen every episode of Thunder in Paradise? I have not. Um, I, I did try to catch many of them, but I'm pretty sure I missed a few here or there. Well, and his uh, his acting is based on you know him being the Hulkster. So, sure. uh, here's the re- I'm going to run down the wrestle the wrestlers that are in this movie, or the wrestling uh, people in the wrestling industry that are in this movie. Mean Gene is in this. You get Jesse the Body Ventura. Howard Finkel is the ring announcer, at least the very beginning of the movie, till it get, kind of gets wonky when they go to like illegal street fighting. Uh, Bill Eady. Uh, it was at Demolition Axe. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, Stan, the man Hanson, Stan Larry Hanson is in it. Now, do you remember a guy named Jeep Swenson? 
Uh, Jeep Swenson actually played Bane in yes. the old Batman movies. And, and he's a monster of a man. He's huge. Was. Huge. Well, he's was he? R.I.P. Uh, Jeep yeah. Swenson. Uh, Tiny Lister, obviously Zeus. The uh, man. Yeah, he's the man. <laughs> I, I remember whenever he fought, which uh, which WrestleMania was it at that that Zeus and Macho Man fought Brutus Bar Beefcake and Hulk Hogan. Do you remember this? SummerSlam 1989. Look at you. Um, and I remember the promos leading up to that. Zeus would just say, Hulk Hogan. Because in the movie, he's Rip. So, right. it, you know, it's it's much easier. But the Hulk Hogan thing, and Tiny Lister, if you've ever heard him talk, like he's in Friday, and he's in other movies, and... He's, you know, a very well-spoken guy, but it cracks me up that they made him, like, just this kind of mindless uh, person. Interesting little trivia note. Uh, you're talking to a mortgage guy about this, and uh, Tiny Lister was convicted of mortgage fraud. Really? Yep. Tiny. Man, Tiny tiny Crush. Tiny Give Crush. Give me a call, Tiny. I'll hook you up. One of them Get He's straightened tra- out. <laughs> Mor- really? Mortgage fraud? Yeah. Man, sorry, Tiny. Golly. How about that, Zeus? Uh, is that why he was in jail in, in the, the in the movie, and then he got out of jail? Uh, no, okay. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I really hope if I ever have to go to jail for mortgage fraud, which I don't plan on because I'm yes. not doing mortgage fraud, that I don't run into <laughs> Zeus in there. That would be, be ideal to not run into anyone named Zeus or looks like Zeus. That'd that's be great. true. That would be awesome. And then one other t- uh, uh, tidbit was Jim Johnston did all the music on this on this uh, movie. You know, that's really not a surprise to me, considering that, you know, Vince funded the majority of this himself. Absolutely. Uh, it seems like he would go to who he knew and who he could get reliably and cost-effectively. Cost-effective is the way Vince goes, I think, probably, isn't it? Well, you know, as I started to do a little research on this, they say I had a budget of like $8 million, Yeah. Which you watch, you watch the movie and you're like, how'd they yeah. spend $8 million on this? Exactly. But, I mean, I guess they did. Well, you got to pay people, right? Well, what's funny is, you know, Bill Eady, who... I have to admit, I didn't even know was a star of this. Uh, when I when I think back, it's like, well, he had to be like the guy in the opening. He was. That's Billy. So, yeah, I just didn't recognize it because you know he wasn't in the paint and he wasn't in a mask. So yeah. you know he wasn't a mask superstar and he wasn't uh, demolition acts. So I just didn't recognize it. But now that I'm thinking about it, that dude is one of the spearheads for the lawsuit against WWE. Now it's just weird how it's oh, all come full wow. circle. Wow. How about that? That that make that would make sense. I mean, there's several of those guys that are in that lawsuit too that I've heard about, and I, that that's a uh, I don't know. It is what it is. I won't go into that topic too much because I, you know, it is what it is. You wrestle, I mean, you know, you're going to get injured, correct? I mean, at some level. Well, I mean, I think everybody knew what they were signing up for, but it, it, I'm sure a lot of them are not in a space where they can live as comfortably as they'd like to financially or otherwise. Gotcha. And so, considering the WWE is publicly traded. Uh, and they have a war chest of cash. I'm sure some of them see that as an opportunity to try to make their quality of life a little better. And, and I can't really knock that. I'm not in that situation, so that I can't true. judge. Yeah, I should. I'm not judging either. Did I sound? Did I sound judgy? Because if I did, you I apologize. So. I think we should judge the uh, the female lead's real name, though. <laughs> she played Samantha Moore in the character Joan Severance. Uh, what a great last name, is it not? It's not any. It's not Severance because I thought maybe it was Dan Severance's uh, wife or something, but it's. Joan Severance, yeah. Which Inter- seems like, you know, what Bill Eady is looking for now from WWE. Severance, ooh, Severance. perfect, perfect. Uh, directed by one Thomas J. Wright, produced by Michael Rashmiel, but also, hear me out, 
executive produced by Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. Well, you know, of course it is. Why why wouldn't it be? Of course it is. But why didn't Hulk Hogan go by Hulk Hogan? Everyone you know, else is their That's a great question. Everyone else is themselves in this movie. Jesse the Body is Jesse the Body. And they call him Jesse the Body. Mean, mean Gene calls him Jesse the Body. He calls Do you think there was a um, an issue with Marvel there? That if they released a movie, they had to pay something? It's weird. It, it has to be some sort of comic book issue about that name. Maybe, but it's weird. And maybe they got some rights on the Rip Rip name. If you, Is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know if they got the rights on the Rip name. I'm just saying I on think Hogan they had General? a deal in place where they had to pay a percentage or a fee or whatever to the creators, the people who own the Incredible Hulk. And I, and, and I bet it was, it was something different if he starred as that in the movie. So yes. if, if he just was billed as that, that's okay. But if his character was named that, maybe that was different. How about that? I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's true. I'm just freestyling that. Nobody told me that. I'm I, just that's freestyling. This, this podcast is all about freestyle. It started out as actually a freestyle rap podcast. But I'm I'm too white to really rap, so Yeah, I'm not prepared for freestyle rap. Okay. I'm sorry to let you down. Oh, it's okay. If you feel like it later, if we get going in this and sure. you want to rap, feel free. Why not? Okay, uh budget, like you said, eight million dollars. Box office, sixteen million dollars. Sixteen million ninety three thousand six hundred and fifty one dollars. Plus uh, yeah. uh you know, they they went on to have a life uh this is fun. In VHS, Betamax, Laserdisc, <laughs> D V D and then Blu ray. Is this one of the only movies you know of that was released in all of these formats? All formats. Well, they want to cover all their bases because No Holds Barred is the best movie of all time. Let, Starring let Hulk Hogan and Tiny Lister. If you're one of the 12 people who bought this on Betamax or Laserdisc, yes. please hit me up on social media. I would love to own it. At hey, hey, it's Conrad. So Laserdisc and Beta or just one or the other? Either or. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe those exist, and I would love to have them in my collection. Vince does not cut corners, apparently, on that, does he? Well, you know, uh, we learned this recently on um, Bruce Pritchard's show, Something to Wrestle With. Uh, Coliseum Video, his partners in that were in the porno industry. How about that? So, and they didn't advertise that. Surprise, surprise. Uh Uh-huh, right. The the people in that industry were kind of leading edge for video delivery services, whether it was Betamax or VHS or HD DVD or Blu-ray or whatever it was. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, so it doesn't really surprise me that it was in every format, but now with that little nugget of knowledge, it does make me smile. That, you know, <laughs> when, when they weren't printing Debbie Does Dallas, they were printing No Holds Barred. Well, they had the distribution probably at some level to do it and the ability to create them. Yeah, I get you, I get you on that. Okay, so, Conrad, I told you this earlier, okay? We're going to get on a tangent, and we just did. Sorry uh, no, that. no, I, no, I wasn't. I'm, I'm not reprimanding you for tangents, my friend. You, you, hey, you tangent all... This is your this is your space. You do whatever you want with it. Freesty- right. Freestyle rapping. You could do that too. Um, 30 second synopsis. It's time, my friend. It's time. It's not Vader time, but it is time for 30 second synopsis. Okay. Well, I've got I, my, I'm a, I've got my, I'm a rookie at this, but I'm going to do my best. Okay. I've got my uh, Timex Iron Man watch. Uh, it keeps perfect time. And I'm going to time you. You don't have to use all 30 seconds. Okay. You just have to try to tell us all about the movie in 30 seconds or less. Are you ready? I'm ready. And go. 
There's a wrestler named Rip Thomas. He is the World Wrestling Federation champion, and he is a ratings bonanza on cable television. Uh, When all of a sudden the evil empire wants him on another network, can they convince him to sign or will they not? And along the way, do they hire some new nemesis to take care of everything that Rip Thomas needs and cares about to get him on their network? Okay, 23 seconds. Now, is that on the back of the, uh, the Betamax box? I wish it was. I have no idea what it says, uh, but I, I would love to see the actual Betamax uh, or the Laserdisc. I've never owned a Betamax or a Laserdisc, and if I'm going to start a collection, why the hell would I not start with No Holds Barred? Well, and we have a guy uh, out of New York. He's on an NBC affiliate out of New York that he he has a huge Laserdisc collection. His guy, the guy's name is Jeff Jensen, and he loves laser discs. And <laughs> he's telling me all about his laser discs. So maybe he has it. He, I'll ask, I will ask him. I'll ask Jeff if maybe he has no holds barred on laser disc. What What I are you willing to? I don't have it. What are you willing to pay for uh, laser disc no holds barred? You know, I'm not sure what the market value on that is, but let me say <laughs> I'll pay a multiple of whatever the market value is. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll pass that along. I'll pass that along. Okay. Next up, five point plot we're going to go back through the movie here and we're going to hit five major plot points plot point number one in a world where primetime wrestling is in vogue rip thomas is king uh so rip thomas we said this he is and they they said it on again they didn't call him hulk hogan they said he is the world wrestling federation heavyweight champion i put that in my notes we open up with a challenger it's bill Eady. Right. They, and they don't call him Bill Eady because that wouldn't be as splashy enough to call him Bill Eady, I guess. But um, Rip Thomas, what's his finisher uh, on this movie? Do you remember this? Um, you know, I don't. Not, not. Was, go ahead. It's not a leg drop. It's not a leg drop. Double axe. Body slam. Nope. Double axe handle. <laughs> double axe handle, which is, by the way, the dumbest move in the history of wrestling. Um, I think if they actually were to swing their arms and like if you were to get, get your hands over your head and really come down on someone's like nose or like I mean you could probably do some damage. It's weird. He finishes like he well finishes two people in this movie with the double axe handle. So tell me the truth. How many times have you jumped off the edge into the pool and dropped a double axe handle on somebody? Um, I, I accept an answer of zero. Um, I would say I have done it. I'm a big elbow guy. I'm a big elbow. I'm gonna, my brother Billy and I, when we would wrestle and th- do things like that, I would just hammer him with that elbow. I've broken so many beds, the bed frames, with uh, the elbow. So, do you pat the elbow before you do it? My son, just- my my five year old, pats the elbow now, and he he ran, he he really winds it up, and then he drops it. So okay. You got to teach him a little flip flop and fly. When the kids do it, it's awesome. <laughs> so we've got um, Rip is the man. Right. Uh, he is unstoppable. Now he he's in the WWF, and then we meet his nemesis throughout the movie, Mister Brell, who is played brilliantly, by the way. Uh, Kurt Fuller plays him, who he plays that swarmy kind of uh, evil executive throughout his entire career. That's his that's his shtick. Uh, I, I loved him in Running Man as well. He was in a lot of great movies in the eighties. He was. Uh, he was in Wayne's World, I think, as well. That's right. Yeah, and uh, he's in several movies. I mean, just several movies. So he plays a great bad guy. He's kind of vicious to his workers. 
Um, he fires a couple people just on the spot. Uh, he just he carries this crystal around in in the meeting room, and he breaks this crystal, and it's like I think it was supposed to have some sort of effect as far as. But it just looked kind of lame when he did it. But uh, I wonder how similar that was to meetings at Titan Towers at the time. Do you think that Vince uh, coached him up on on how to act? I would 100% guarantee that he did. Yeah. You, uh, th- there's no way that, that he wouldn't have. <laughs> I um I think if he was the executive producer, this was a well-oiled machine, wouldn't you say, probably? that well, this- Based on the way they run Raw, no. Oh, really? Oh, gosh. You're talking about the actual live performance of it, but like backstage, have you been backstage at Raw before? Yes, I have, and, and there's lots of rewrites, just like you've heard about. You know, if you've ever read any newsletters or anything, they it's, don't know what they're doing until right before they go out. Some wow. of the time, some of the time they know well in advance, but some of the times they're changing the scripts. You know, moments before you walk out. How about that? Um, now, I think that on World Television Network, uh, Mr. Brell's company. Uh, they probably would rewrite things. They're trying to rewrite the script and get Rip on their network. And what? Be- yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, his office and the antique furniture within. <laughs> Louis the Fourteenth. Uh, he has chair. He has two chairs that are made by Louis the Fourteenth. And we, oh man, that big dumb jock uh, is going to sit down and he's going to break this chair. And I don't want him to break it. But he invites him in, and he gives him a blank check. He gives Rip a blank check. Interestingly enough, do you notice anything peculiar about the check? No, I don't. It's not out of a business checkbook. It's not one of the really long business checks. It's a regular personal style check like you would get from your local Wells Fargo. It's not like the big old school ledgers with a three-ring binder and the little stubs on the left. It's It's like a a computerized check. It's like what... You and your wife pay for groceries with what granny? What granny gives you? You know, ten bucks for your birthday. Yeah, that's it. And and that's what he writes him, which I found hilarious. That is hilarious. He just says, "Well, he says here's a blank check." I mean, it's his own personal money. This is the kind of intel. Or Mister Brell is this serious about signing Rip? I I am. I appreciate two things about the scene. Uh, Number one, he calls. Rip, do you remember the the term he calls him? Yeah, he's, he he says ass on it. I knew I know he says that. So <laughs> he calls him a jock. He says it which, over and over again. Not Jack, but jock, which I found interesting. Very I've never weird. Heard that before. Well, it's his own terminology. It's yeah, like he made it, so he he may have copyrighted that. We may owe him a few bucks for saying it. Now. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Kurt Fuller, if you uh, if you were copyrighted that that term, it's almost like um, Freddie Blassie's pencil neck geek, where he says it yes. all the time, and it becomes a thing. It becomes his thing. Now it's become a thing. It's a real thing. And, and I also enjoy um, Mr. Rip returns the check to Mr. Braille, shoves it in his mouth, and, and the second greatest line of the movie. <laughs> I will not be around when this check clears. And this is a joke, which explains so much about Vince McMahon, doesn't it? It does. That's that's where McMahon's brain goes to. You know he's giving him highly. Oh, I love it. Well, the good thing about this is Rip apparently didn't plan ahead. On he he didn't think about storming out because he still has to get a ride back in the limo. That Mr. Brell <laughs> sent to him. Yeah, and, and this is uh, really an underrated scene, but I, I don't think we're properly conveying to our listeners 
what exactly Hulk Hogan is wearing when all of this happens. Do you recall the outfit he was sporting that day? His outfits are beautiful. This is a black and red tight thing, correct? Spandex pants. Spandex pants, spandex top. It looks Cut like, up. yeah, it's very weird. And he's got a do-rag on because he always wears a do-rag. Cause he cover and up the, gloves. And he's gloves. <laughs> and cowboy boots. Oh, he is he is wearing cowboy boots. Oh, spandex pants. Which which begs the question: Was he trying out for the village people? Uh, he has a good look for it, and he couldn't wear yeah. his red and, or his um his yellow and red. So Come I'm on. just saying, it, it, he could have been going to a gay and S S and M bar <laughs> immediately after leaving Mister Brail's office. Well, all of his outfits, even later on in the movie, whenever him and the Severance uh, lady is it Sue? What's her name? Brown? What's her Susan? Samantha Moore? Samantha Moore. Uh, he's wearing that same outfit with her when he takes her out. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Though. We'll get, no, we're not ready for that that part yet. But what we are ready for is the limo ride, which yes. I felt like it was a very much like an NWO storyline, where. There's a limo involved. It goes off kilter, and then they try to corner him uh, with some thugs. Uh, and he explodes through the top of the limo when he's cornered, which I think was awesome. Yeah, I really love that. Um, it's probably the most height he's ever. This is a guy who never climbed the top rope, but he's uh, popping up from the bottom like Rey Mysterio now uh, through the roof of a car. There, this was no. There's there's no moon roof in this limo, so. Um, he beats up the thugs. Uh, next scene is he goes on a date with Samantha Moore, i.e. Uh, Joan Severance. To whoa, a whoa, whoa. We're skipping the best line in the movie. Hit me. Hit me with it. So when he gets out to the limo driver, he beats up all the thugs, <laughs> and it's now down to Rip and the limo driver. And he picks I, the limo driver I up forgot. by his collar and says, What's that smell? <laughs> And the limo driver squeaks out, Dookie. <laughs> and as a kid, uh, that is the greatest movie oh, line in the history of movie lines. <laughs> Once again, we're back to Vince McMahon's uh, apparent just infatuation with the digestive system. With the check, we have this part of it. Dookie uh, smells. <laughs> Dookie smells are a part of a movie. <laughs> that he put eight million dollars in. He's like, you know what the kids are going to want. Can we work the word Dookie in? If we have this guy do a drop a deuce in his pants, Hogan smell it, and then him admit that it's Dookie. It, the the initial cut. I don't know if I read. I watched the commentary on this as well. And the initial that's a lie. The initial uh, cut of this, uh, they're like, okay, we're going to have him just pee in his pants. He's just going to pee his pants. And then what's Vince McMahon say? Well, that's not good enough. That's not good enough for you. We've got to have him. Dookie in his pants. Hogan is here. He <laughs> his pants. <laughs> oh, that's great. Make it happen. Well, we're going to have to rewrite. Doesn't matter. We do, we do it. <laughs> yeah, so that happens, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Then they go on a date. <laughs> they go on a date to a French restaurant, and it was really bad acting the entire time, and it's like typical like French restaurant where – it's a lot of uh, faux American French speak, and just really bad the whole time. So anyway, that's really the end of plot point one. Plot, well, plot. Yeah, go ahead. Another valuable point here. I, I'm, I'm just saying he we're pacing it. Yeah. He comes to this restaurant all the time. <laughs> she didn't think that he would know because he's a jock. 
Uh, of course. He, he dresses nice. <laughs> His suits don't have sleeves, but well, he likes to party, and he yeah. comes here and eats escargot. <laughs> he likes to party. They're mean to him, but he knows the chef. Yes. Some, somehow he's there all the time, but doesn't know the waiters, but knows the chef and knows how to order in French. Just going to peel the layers back here. Well, Rip Thomas is a cultured man. He's cultured. He knows all the good chefs, the best chefs in town. But why doesn't he know the wait staff? Wouldn't they know he, him? Where's he eating? Is he eating out back? Is the chef coming over to the house? Is he meeting him at the S and M Club with those pants and those cowboy you boots? You know it, what man. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he knows when the check clears with the chef. Who knows? He probably does. He probably knows. All right. So French restaurant scene. Cut scene. Zeus's big entrance, plot point two. Yes. Zeus's big entrance, my favorite part of the movie. Brell and his cronies visit the No Count Bar. Is the name of the bar? It's a No Count Bar. Um, we meet Stan Hansen as uh, the Neanderthal. I think is his name in the movie. Are you familiar with what No Count means? I, it's a southern thing. Uh, tell me, no, no class. Uh, yeah, it just means that it's not any good. So, like, if you, um, if, like, in the sales world, uh, you know, for instance, if someone was a poor salesman, uh, the sales manager would say, oh, that boy's no count. Okay. Meaning, he, he just, he's not any good. He has so, no, this bar, yeah. the name of it is the not very good bar. Well, I mean. It's it, the no count bar. It lives up to its billing. Um, it does. It does. And, and, and my favorite scene happens in the bar, and I bet you can guess what the scene is. It doesn't involve. It involves- does it involve Dookie in the bathroom? Stan Hansen, for sure. <laughs> is, it, is it when he's in the bathroom, like in the stall? Yes. <laughs> and now, is that supposed to be his sister that's in the bar with him? Or, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I, I think it's supposed to be his sister. And so Stan Hansen is wearing a midriff shirt, which is exactly what you would hope it would be with yes. Stan Hansen. Right. I'd be willing to bet in real life Stan Hansen did not own any shirts like that. I don't think he did. Uh, and he also has uh, the biggest chew of tobacco in yeah. the history of life, a comical, just like yeah. he did but even, in his WCW days. But even for him, that's a big a big chew, a chew, chew of uh, red man or skull. He's probably a red man guy. Don't you think he's a red man? Probably. And, and, he's, and he's wearing uh, cut-off sweatshirt, sweatpants yes. and uh, white athletic socks and then big like army boots with toilet paper attached to the heel, because why wouldn't it be? It's well, Vincent Man's movie, by right. God. Yeah, he loves Dookie. Um, and these guys in suits are now in there trying to escape and and let go of some of their, their cheap beer from the no-count bar, uh-huh. and they're peeing in a trough, right. which is exactly what every sports fan hopes when they go to the bathroom. Please let me pee open air next to strangers right? into a big vat of more pee. Right. So, of course, that's what the no-count bar has. You know do you it. remember the line... Mr. Hansen. I do not remember the line from Mr. Hansen. You tell me. He mocked the two other fellows and he held his hands, his oh. finger, and his thumb. Little, little, uh. Teeny weenies. <laughs> he, um. I, I, I feel like that's not that far off of his character that he wrestled with. But, but his outfit was ridiculous. Like, it ha- he had like boxer, like white boxers. Do you remember this? That came out of the top of him. And I never, when I was little and I watched this movie, I was like, what? Why does he have that? He doesn't realize they're hanging out. He doesn't care that they're hanging out. Well, what I found interesting is the way he was billed in the movie. Um, he was billed as Neanderthal. Yeah. What? 
And it makes me wonder, why was there never a wrestling character named Neanderthal? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of a character that's close. Berserker, remember Berserker? But he was like a Viking. Yeah, I mean, this guy is just, I, I don't know what you'd really, I mean, I don't guess I would describe his character as Neanderthal, but it was still interesting. And I really wish that Stan Hansen would have borrowed that line and used it against Lex Luger a few years later and talked about Luger's teeny weeny. But, but that would have been totally appropriate with Lex. Pro- I, mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak for Lex. I cannot so, speak for Lex. I don't know what's going on. We are way off the rails now. I told you this would happen, by the way. This is how this this works. This is how this works. Um, Let's see. No count bar. It gives uh, this big brawl that's going on there gives, uh, what's his face, Brell, a great idea. I mean, such a great idea that he couldn't even come up with a better name than this. Battle of the Tough Guys. I mean, yeah, this this is really not the shining moment shining moment for WWE creative battle of the tough guys. I mean, it, it, again, I was actually I'm probably the only person that was a fan of Brawl for All. That was a better name, obviously, for that than Battle of the Tough Guys. You know, I I don't really, I don't really think I hate it, but it's just. I don't get it. BTG. They should have called it BTG for short after they called it Battle of the Tough Guys once. BTG. Um, hey, this show gets up and running really quickly. Like, this guy's got mega power for the World Television Network because he has a show, like, the next day, and it's on national television, and they've got huge ratings. And night number one, they have, like, three fights – and Zeus wins all of them. Actually, no, Zeus doesn't win all of them. Stan Hansen's character wins like two or three of them. And then all of a sudden, through the wall of the no-count bar comes the man that is Zeus. And it's one of the most impressive entrances in the history of movies. It's just like an old Western uh, or an old cowboy movie or an old gangster movie. Mm-hmm. When, when someone of importance walks in, the door flies open, a bright light shines from behind, a little bit of smoke bellows in, you know it. the music stops, everyone turns their head to see what's going on, and it's so... <laughs> he, like, whispers his name, which is phenomenal. Which, uh, you know, there's something about a whisper that makes it more ominous. Good ma- for them for... Makes everyone listen. Hey, Vince knows how... It, you think Vince coached him up on this one? I, I think Vince had to coach him up quite a bit. Um... He uh, his wrestling maneuvers are hilarious because they're really not wrestling. It's just a lot of swinging, like swinging, like quick swings, and not even any direct punches. And he, uh, yeah, he doesn't. He's pretty stiff. He's pretty stiff. His, fin- his finishing maneuver um, was the fake signature. It's like on the shoulders, like on the traps, basically. No, it's just where he signs a, a mortgage document illegally. <laughs> but up bunch a little mortgage humor there for you on the horror movie podcast can you Good believe time. that zeus i mean when you see that dude are you like now i am that dude's a bad man that's gonna be awesome i mean 2012 he uh, pled guilty to conspiracy conspiring to commit mortgage fraud in a scheme that led to 3.8 million dollars in losses he was charged with fraudulently buying homes in order to withdraw 1.1 million dollars in home equity loans Yeesh. He um he's on a commercial actually a fairly new commercial, uh where he retrieves a bottle of water from a yeah. vending machine, and then he eats a beef jerky I think. So he's so things things are looking up. He's Mr. bouncing West. back, man. He's bouncing back. Um, 
promos. Best promo ever, man. That's all you need. Roman Reigns, if you're listening to this, just whisper, dude. Just whisper. Say little. Say nothing. Just whisper. It's fine. Anyway, um, I digress. Night two of the battle of tough guys. Zeus battles Lug Ranch Perkins, played by none other than Jeep Swinson. Lex Luger, Luger, not Luther, but Lex Luger's workout partner. Um, Made that part up. Uh, They they battle in an oil refinery, which I kind of think is funny, and it kind of reminded me of the White Castle of Fear a little bit. Lots of fire. Um, And actually, the original, the no-count bar, I forgot about this, there's a a little person in a cage above the match. So, White Castle of Fear. Well, why wouldn't there be? Uh, And Jeep Swenson, if you haven't looked him up, you should. He would go on to eventually work in professional wrestling with WCW in the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, which one was he? Maybe he wasn't in the Dungeon of Doom, but here's what I do remember. He was one of the bad guys in that terrible uncensored, I think it was like 1995, and it was like 38 bad guys against Macho Man and, and Hulk Hogan. Oh, my. Uh, it was it was really ridiculous. And he had some sort of like Nazi name. I forget the name. It was like the final solution or the ultimate solution or it was something really, really bad where they had to change it at the last minute, but they still gave him a new name and shoved him out there. And it was terrible. That is terrible. Uh, he then passed away from, I think heart complications, I believe. And, um, he went too soon. Jeep went too soon. Uh, he was Bane though. He was Bane. Uh, Only 40 years old died, um, in 1997. Wow. So, RIP. Jeep. Um, so, Battle of Tough Guys, he beats Leg Wrench on Lug Wrench on national TV. You can tell the 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 suspense is building. Rip knows that this is happening and uh he's got to, you know, he's got to be ready for this. Plot point number 3, Rip's big trip. Uh we start to build the love interest that is he and Samantha. Yeah. He takes her on a private jet on a trip. And I don't really know where this trip was actually to. It seems like it was like a middle America type place because they go to like a little diner. They went to a so, diner though, like a regular old diner. Well, I, you say that, but if you were if you were my my guest here in Huntsville, Alabama, you know I wouldn't take you to Roost Chris. You can go there anytime. You know they've got those all over the country. I would take you to a, a Huntsville classic. I'd take you to a little hole in the wall. What's the name of one? Give me an example. I love she- hole in the walls. G's Country Kitchen is uh, hard to beat. It is in uh, North Huntsville. It's in a gully. It's only open for a few hours a day and only a few days a week. But if you want anything uh, terrible for your heart, yes, but woo, I southern do. all the way through. I like is, all, I like everything you said so far. Um, if it's fried, man, I'm I'm on board, it's bro. It's the best fried chicken in the history of fried chicken. And it's say it one more time. It's G's. G's Country Kitchen. G's you ever met Huntsville, Kitchen. Alabama? It's off Oakwood Avenue. Okay. Uh, and if you if you want diabetes, try the sweet tea. My my wife is uh, my well my in laws are from Louisiana, and they um, they got some hole in the walls in Louisiana. They got some major hole in the walls in Louisiana. Anyway, I digress. But um, Hank Williams. Let's G- talk about this trip when they're when they're on the. Um, when they're when he's doing push-ups on the side of the bed, how okay. weird out were you? That was really weird uh, that she woke up to that. Um, that. By the way, there was a rob. Two things: there was a robbery that was in effect in the diner, and uh, all my ratty friends were coming over tonight. Started cranking up. That's actually Jim Johnson's music 
that kicked in, but it was not Jim Johnson's music. It was Hank Williams Jr.'s music. And uh, all, all my friends were coming over tonight, man. And they're, and they're throwing food. And Rip used a food fight to stop a robbery. Pretty well, awesome. Why wouldn't, he? why wouldn't he? He's the man. Um, so then they get to the accommodations, and Rip, you know, I guess his handler or whatever, only booked a one-room uh, room. Looks like a Motel 6. It's a great move, by the way. For all you guys listening and you're kind of in the friend zone with a gal, if you're going out of town and you're on a trip and you've got to go to a concert or you're going to an event and y'all are just buds, but you're ready to take it to the next level, by gosh, you call around until you find a hotel that only has one room left and it is a king. And, you know, knowing's half the battle, my friends. Knowing is half the battle. That's a a public service announcement from – G.I. Joe there on knowing he's at the battle. But I tell you, uh, Rip is very smart. He has some athletic tape, though. He's going to be sh- – chivalry is not dead because he's you know, he feels bad about it. He makes a divider over the bed. Um, that, that tape does not keep you from having a good time. Let me just tell no, you. No, we can work around this. It's no big deal. Hey, the tape could actually come in hell, you know, come in handy. It might. <laughs> it might. It might. Um, so uh, he's – she wakes up in the middle of the night uh, and – she looks over and he is doing push-ups. But you don't know that right away. Well, Vince McMahon in his super creative mind goes, "We want people to think we want people to think that, you know, we don't know what's happening." Ha <laughs> ha, wink wink, nod nod. And then she realizes, "Oh, wow, he's so ripped." You know why? Cuz he's ripped. So he's ripped. So you hear the bed moving yes. and you hear some squeaks. Yes. And you look over and you see two little round bulbous things. Which and it's a really tight shot and you're not exactly sure and yes. you wonder how could that possibly be Rip's? <laughs> but that, they want you to believe that those were his two cheeks. But the uh, thing was, just for a moment. But the thing and is, then you realize it's his heels, which is really weird. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that other than really weird. Like, yeah. Well, what guys' heels look like butt, but his and, do. And the ca- and the camera shot. Like, what kind of camera perspective would they? Would you think that would make sense to do that? So weird. Gosh, so very weird, very anyway. weird. Anyway, he goes to bed eventually, and then flops down on the bed and breaks the bed, and she rolls over on him. Of course, of course she does, and uh, then he he gets mad at her because she assumes that he planned all this, this whole scenario he planned, and he he leaves. I guess he goes. Where does he go sleep at the car? You know, I'm not sure. In my head, he would go sleep in the hotel lobby, which they will not discourage you to do if you're Hulk Hogan. You know, he could sleep wherever he wants, probably. Sure. Um, now, might, might not sleep at his friend Bubba's house anymore. She goes back the next day to Brell, and we find out she was actually a spy for Brell. Uh, which he's, is disappointing. Yeah. It is a disappointing. disappointing. We thought we thought better of her. This is kind of like a wrestling angle, though, really, because then. Sure. Uh, she starts to, uh, which makes sense because it, who it was written by. Um, uh, she then says, I don't want it. He's a nice guy, a super nice guy. I can't do this to him. And she, he basically threatens to kill her, basically. And uh, actually, he hits her. He hits her. And um, they, uh, she goes and confesses, hey, look, Brell, you know, he hired me to, to, to seduce you, Rip. And... Um, Basically, then there's they actually in that moment they start playing the tickle game on the couch, and they look on the TV and Zeus is on TV challenging Hulk 
Oh, well, rip to a fight. He should have uh, tried the tickle game instead of breaking out the tape at the hotel room. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if uh, – is it Joan Severance? Is that her name? I keep forgetting her name. Well, Severance uh, – we'll, we'll just call her Mrs. Severance, but Samantha Moore is her character, right? Yes, Samantha Moore is not above whatever uh, we, find, we find out because uh, – you know what? I say that. She's just been wrapped up in this world that is Braille. Braille's world is fast, and there's lots of money flying around, and she doesn't know any better. She just probably – you know, small, she was hired to do a job, and she fell in love with uh, Hulk Hogan, but who didn't? I, I We all have. We all have, really. Um, so, plot point number four. I called it Rip's Rage. Rip's at a charity event. By the way, did you notice the name of the charity event? It's like handwritten on a big sign. Probably not. Here's Which what it's really called. Tell- it really tells you, you know, the uh, the money that eight million is well spent. They had this big limo chase, and he's jumping a limo, and he's breaking out of the roof. They didn't just want to spend any money on the sign. It's handwritten on there. It says it's called Rips Sports for Kids. It's handwritten on this sign, Rips Sports for Kids. So, um, uh, Zeus and Brell show up at this at this random charity event. And they challenge, and they show up in a helicopter, by the way. And they uh, challenge Rip to a. Uh, did I say Rip? Zeus and Brel show up, and they challenge Rip to a match. They want an answer. Um, Rip does not want to fight. So um, later, another weird scene. Brel attempts to have Samantha. I, I attempts to have this guy sexually assault Samantha. I mean, really, you're getting into the the depths of perversion of a wrestling booker at this point. So far, we've, you know, we've had fake butt cheeks, um, we've had dookie smells, we've had uh, shoving things in people's mouths, saying they're not going to be around when the check clears. Exactly. I mean, we're get, we're really getting out. We've had you know teeny weeny jokes. We're we're getting into weird places. Well, it this gets movie. weirder. There's actually two. There's a this attempted rape, and uh, later on, he just flat out kidnaps her at the end of the movie just kidnaps her and says i'm just gonna kill her unless you throw this match anyway this guy's crazy brill is a nut job so um brill are you are you suggesting he tried to fix a wrestling match he wanted 10 good minutes 10 good minutes of a match and then to throw it so i'm just saying i i that's the speculation i don't know for sure um i'm not sure if that's the real what really happened, but, uh, I'll drink to that. There you go. <laughs> so rip, uh, stops the attack. Luckily. Okay. And, uh, he uses his motorcycle. <laughs> the guy is running from him. He, um, grabs the guy on the motorcycle and then catapults him into a tree trunk. And, uh, he's knocked out. I feel like you missed a really critical part here. Okay. I probably he did pick him up on the motorcycle. He put him on the handlebars. <laughs> like when you gave your sister a ride around the neighborhood when you were like 10. Uh, he put his he put this guy on the handlebars of the motorcycle as if they were dating. Um, I love and it. We're in junior high. You know it. You know it. I, I, did he have pegs on the front? You know, the little on your All bike? All bike was missing with streamers. There you go. And Rip throws him into a tree using the bike, which is really creative. But I don't know how he had enough force to not himself drive into that tree. But 
you know, physics and, you know, just overall gravity of the nature. It's probably not really one of Rip's strong points, but, uh, or Vince's for that matter. Doesn't really care to worry about that. Um, so luckily, uh, to move the plot along, Rip's brother, Randy, played by, and I can't remember this guy's name, but he's on a bunch of stuff still. He's still in Hollywood. Uh, and he, uh, Randy and his friend Craig go to watch Zeus fight. Underground street fight. His uh, name is Mark Pellegrino. Yes. Uh, and he's been in a lot of stuff. A ton a of, stuff. of stuff. Yeah. Um, he was on. Uh, he is Lucifer in Supernatural. I don't know if you I don't watch that show. But uh, I know he's in that one. He was on Lost. He was uh, Jacob on Lost. Castle, CSI, Numbers, yeah. Knight Rider, Dexter, he's all Capote. Over. Yeah. I mean, NYPD Blue, X-Files, the yeah. dude did everything. Yeah, and and, he, and he's also been Hulk Hogan's brother in a movie, so there you go. And that was early in his career, you so uh, good, good for him to go from that and Doogie Howser and Tales from the Crypt to some bigger stuff. You know it. Uh, the uh, fight goes on. Zeus fights a guy named Rebar Lawless. Good name. Um, yeah, definitely a wrestling name. Rebar Lawless beats him. They beat him in a warehouse. Um, Randy really is a bad, it's just a bad case of wrong place, wrong time. Randy and his brother or Randy and Craig run, Randy and Craig run into, um, run into, uh, what's his face? Uh, Brell. Craig tells Brell, Hey, this is, this is Rip's brother. Like he gives up that information. Uh, he ends up in the ICU and we have a teary reunion with Rip and his brother in the ICU. It makes me wonder if this is um, a scene that was common in wrestling back in the day. <laughs> Guys visiting each other after an injury, tearful situation. Very tearful. Super tearful. And so uh, basically then Rip agrees, of course, I'm going to fight you. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to have to fight you now to avenge my brother. We end this plot point with uh, a really a video package that's very Rocky-esque. Uh, Rip is training. Uh, no, no. Rip, Rip is helping his brother rehab, and uh, Zeus is using some sort of a uh, just a generic machine where he's just basically doing bench press without any uh, without any tension on it. And uh, it's good times. It's not Rocky esque. It has a little bit of Rocky mu- uh, Rocky music in it. Uh, but really, we end with that. Um, next plot plot point five. Our final plot point. Night of the pay-per-view, anything for ratings, my friend. Anything for ratings. Uh, it's a big big event. Uh, all Hollywood A-listers are out. Randy Craig and Samantha show up at the building. Brell then has Samantha kidnapped. Um, and basically the stipulation is, look, Rip, you've got to go 10 minutes. You can go 10 minutes with Zeus, make it look good. But if you don't, if you if you don't throw this fight, I'm going to kill Samantha. I love it. It's uh, it's starting to get a little, um, I don't know, starting to reach a little bit storyline for me. You had me so far. We're fighting an oil refinery and such, but 
I don't know. This whole kidnapping thing starting to get a little weird for me. Well, and and Zeus now just starts to beat the crap out of Hulk or out of Rip, excuse me, and uh, just getting murdered in the ring. Uh, the crowd luckily knows in this Bizarro universe that we're in knows to chant and get him to Hulk up a little bit. They start chanting, "Rip him, rip him, rip him." Rip them, and then... Interestingly enough here, I don't know if you remember this part. They had two belts for this. Do you remember that? No. So, the deal is, uh, I have a couple of friends who are, like, really, really into the old wrestling belts. And one of my great friends is Dave Milliken, who makes them for WWE now. Wow, that's awesome. uh, Dick Bourne has written a couple of books about old wrestling belts. So, I I hear this and see this a lot, but uh, they have an Andre... Uh, the giant style belt, which was only shown on television a couple of times in like 87, but it's on white leather in this movie when it's shown backstage oh. and they're doing like the whole Rocky moment. Yeah. But, but then when he comes out later, he's wearing the winged Eagle style belt that Hogan and Macho and warrior and Brett and Sean and all those guys wore, but it's also on white leather, but it's a totally different set of plates, a totally different belt. See how so would they, that is a good nugget. Why would they not check that? Like I, that baffles me. They, they did the same thing on NBC, believe it or not, in the main event, the very famous angle uh, right before WrestleMania four, where uh, they did the double referee thing mm. with the Hebners. The Hebners, yeah. Uh, Hogan cuts a promo backstage with me and Gene, and he's wearing like his WrestleMania three style Hogan eighty six belt. Uh, but then he walks out wearing the brand new winged eagle that ultimately Macho Man would win at WrestleMania four. But from the time he was talking to Mean Gene to walking through the curtain, he had a new belt that no one acknowledged. So weird. Well, continuity was not a big worry apparently at this time point. Uh, Vince McMahon had no time for continuity. No, we don't need to worry about that. That's ridiculous. So um, rip him. We're chanting. He finally hulks up a little bit. Uh, luckily for us. Uh, the guards that were keeping uh, what's her face uh, Samantha uh, hostage, she's able to escape, and then she's ultimately saved by Charlie the trainer and Craig the uh, the hapless friend who gave away uh, uh, Rip's brother's uh, identity earlier. And so anyway, she's at ringside, <clears throat> and Brell sees her, and he's just so mad. He's behind some sort of a glass. Uh, like a control panel type thing, like yeah. a viewing area. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's really mad, but he can't do anything about it now because now she's out in, in front of everybody in public. Hulk uh, slash Rip uh, hulks up and uh, starts to beat on Zeus. He gets the upper hand on Zeus, uh, takes the double axe handle to Zeus off a of catwalk, by the way. The fight went into the crowd. And double axe handles Zeus through the ring, apparently to his death. And this is this is years before uh, the WWE was breaking rings uh, on their programming. So pretty revolutionary at the time. Yeah. And I didn't really think about it, but I mean, I guess Zeus did die right there. I guess I guess Rip murdered a man well, it's on not, that television. Exactly. And that, that's they, they're not going to end there. We're not done there because now Rip is out for literal blood because of what uh, Brell tried to do to Samantha. He ends up breaking into the control booth. And Brell is like, no, stay away from me. Stay away from me. But during his madness, Brell was breaking things in the control booth. He grabs hold of a live wire of electricity and hilariously shocks himself to death. Isn't that how Goldust got Tourette's? (laughs) Is that real? So it makes me wonder, like, 
why did Braille die? Why didn't he just get to reps? There you go. There, maybe that's the cure, man. Never mind. Maybe the cure for it. It could have been worse, man. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. But the, the beauty of it is that the crowd, whenever Braille dies, goes freaking nuts. Like they love it. Which begs the question how did the audience know that Braille was a bad guy? I mean, he's a TV personality. You, I, he was a TV. He was a TV executive. He wasn't a personality. That's true. He was, an era. He was like if the head of CBS was murdered on live television tonight, <laughs> would the crowd here? Yeah, we're so glad. That's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't make any. Who know? Like if it's Les Moonves, how many people really know who that is? <laughs> who is that? But if he was murdered on TV, I don't think my my like my parents. They're not cheering that. No, I don't think so. But they. It was just like this movie has got so many weird, I don't know, like, all right, really cheer this part, guys. Okay, really, ready crowd, you've been here all day. Uh, we've been reshooting this because Zeus can't wrestle. Uh, so really, really get into this part. When he dies, <laughs> we kill Brel anyway. I'm going I'm to take great offense. I'm going to take great umbrage with you suggesting that Zeus can't wrestle because he drew a big house here. He drew a $16 million gate for Vince McMahon with this movie. Hey, 16 <laughs> Well, really, eight million dollar gate after we paid off all of our debts and stuff. So, well, in fairness, w- w- when they announce a box office ticket sales for the UFC, do they deduct all the expenses? No, they just tell you the gross. That is true. Z- Zeus is a draw. When you uh, you know add for inflation, that was nineteen eighty nine, so it's twenty seven years ago. So sixteen million is probably like three billion dollars with inflation, just with my quick math. Can we put Zeus in the WWE Hall of Fame? What would that I don't look? know why he's not there already. He should certainly be there. Coco freaking Beware is in, and we can't put Zeus in. Coco. Zeus had a movie about him. True. Uh, headlined a SummerSlam. Yeah. Tell me about all the main events and the movies about Coco Beware. Not disparaging Coco. He's a little hand. But right. if he's in, my God, he Zeus could, should be in. Now, he could do uh, – couldn't he do a somersault off the top rope, Coco? Wouldn't he uh, one of the first guys to be able to kind of flip a roo a little bit? There, There is no limit to the talent that is Coco Beware. Well, but I'm saying he's in, and so Zeus should be in. That is true. You know, good for Coco that he. What was his bird's name? Frankie. Frankie. Uh, he really benefited from animal-based uh, sidekicks. You had Jake the Snake, uh, and you had uh, what's what's Jake Snake's name? Uh, originally, it was Damien. Yes, with Lucifer, and then it was Revelations. Uh, but interestingly enough, um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat couldn't quite get that over. That kimono dragon? Carrying a lizard to the ring with duct tape on his mouth <laughs> was not the same thing. Peter is not a big fan of that, I don't think. You know, what's really funny is you go back and you look at some old WWF, and they did a skit where uh, Jake was trying to get Warrior to embrace the dark side to battle the Undertaker, and he locked him in a room full of snakes. Yeah. And Warrior goes around, like, for real kicking snakes. <laughs> like, like, like as hard as he can, kicking snakes. Well, I've heard uh, a couple. I, I can't remember whose podcast it was on. Jake Snake was talking about Jake the Snake was talking about that snake and how he went through snakes because they would just throw it in the trunk of a car, or and it would freeze to death. Isn't that amazing? Like that. It's just funny that they would do that. Like, and that's just that time. That's that era. Well, I mean, that's probably some substance stuff. Maybe that too. Probably some of that too, as well. Yeah, I'm not saying that to disparage. Just saying. No, I'm saying that that's 
probably a good reason that that happened. He probably wasn't even thinking about the fact that that yeah. snake was. Who cares? It's and a fairness, prop. Whenever I go out drinking with my buddies, yes. I don't think about the bodies in my trunk. It well, just slips my mind. Or your pet snake, or or Frankie the uh, Coco Beware's uh, parrot. So uh, once once we get the tape the tape up and the uh, you know the barricade in the middle of the room, maybe we talk about that. Maybe maybe so. Sure. Maybe so. So really. Uh, the end of the movie, everyone freak. I can say goes bananas for the death of Brell because they've apparently been watching this whole time as well. And um, cue the greatest song ever in a movie. Uh, and then I'll tell you right now, we're going to play it. Uh, it's called No Holds Barred. And Jim Johnson, you are a you are a composer extraordinaire. That that song is phenomenal. I love it. Uh, really, that's it, though, Conrad. That's the end of the movie. Cute. Well, it was uh, it was an underrated movie. I, I can't say that I necessarily agree with uh, some of the critics of this. They're clearly not wrestling fans, or or for that matter, B movie fans. This was a movie you had to kind of get to me. Either you got it or you didn't, and I got it. And uh, I think it's been unfairly judged online. I gotta say, Let's uh, lots of folks. Not really giving it the love it deserves. I think Rotten Tomatoes has it at like 11%. It should be at least like nine times that. It should be closer to that 99%. I'm going to say it should be at 99%. That's uh... To to me, all-time movies, I mean, let's just run through this. It's like, you know, pick any Godfather and then like Gone with the Wind. Okay, I'm with you. and, And then like right above those is No Holds Barred. Oh, above? Above, yeah, it's the greatest film that's ever. It's as close to perfection. Okay, okay. Uh, this is worth looking up if you haven't seen it. They ran this movie came out in June, but they did um, a match on pay per view okay. in a cage yes. around Christmas time. <gasps> yeah, it's a Vince McMahon voiced a commercial, which I'm sure is on YouTube somewhere, um, where he's promoting for Christmas, mm-hmm. that you could buy this pay-per-view for your family okay. as a Christmas present to your wrestling fan. Well, of course. Watch the movie, and then at the end of the movie, they have the match, which would have featured the Macho Man, who, of course, did all the heavy lifting, mm-hmm. uh, tagging with Zeus against Hulk Hogan and British Barber Beefcake. You gotta love and it. And that was only available on pay-per-view, and Vince McMahon's commercial voiceover is phenomenal. Is you can find it. We'll find it. I may, I may play that audio... Uh, it, we may find that audio and put it on here as well. No promises, folks. But I, I would like to hear that. I would love to hear that, actually. W- worth mentioning, the distribution company, uh, the production company for the movie, of course it was distributed by New Line Cinema, but the production company, do you recall what it was here? This is pre-WWE Studios. This is their first foray. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even make that connection when I saw that. Shane Distribution. After who? Shane O'Mac. 
Come on. I think it's a pretty cool little nod to his son. That is that, a, uh, that's awesome. I like Shane. Have you ever met Shane? Shane is a great guy. I met him this year at WrestleMania. Um, couldn't be nicer. Brought us, I had his whole family there. Uh, very, 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 very nice guy. Cool, man. Um, man, that's legit. Too legit. Once you rate this movie, one to five horribles, one being, eh, it's kind of bad, five being hor- uh, the worst ever, you're, I'm afraid you're, you're, you may be off the chart the other direction. No, I was kidding. It's not better than all those movies. I, I'm going to give it a one just because I'm a wrestling fan. Okay. Uh, if you're not a wrestling fan, it's probably like a three. I've certainly seen worse movies. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, um, but this has enough. Uh, there's enough comedy in here for me. I mean, whether they're intentional or unintentional laughs, you're entertained. Right. You're laughing. Right. So I'm going to count it. And I'm, and I'm going to say uh, that if you're a wrestling fan, it's a one. But if you're not a wrestling fan, it's a three. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm I'm gonna give it a two. I'm giving I'm giving this movie a two. But I also think I'm really the Hulk Hogan thing where they can't call him Hulk, that kinda takes away from it for me a little bit. But then I guess maybe why'd you make this movie in the first place if you're if this is actually just Hulk Hogan wrestling somebody, right? So Well, here's the thing too that's worth mentioning, and, and I know some people just judge a movie for the movie, but the reality is they got two more things out of this. They did SummerSlam 89. So this comes out in June of 89. SummerSlam 89 is two months later in August. So if you were, if even if you didn't see the movie and you were just a wrestling fan, you probably got that pay-per-view. It was the second SummerSlam. It was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and then that Christmas, they did the match, uh, the movie, or the movie, the match, whatever. Um, so they got multiple shots at this. So you got them at the box office, and then you got two pay-per-views out of it. And he should certainly be in the Hall of Fame. One thing I didn't know until we started talking today was that that match was filmed in um, for the pay-per-view uh-huh. in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Which is really not a hotbed for WWF at the time, but uh, they filmed it a couple weeks before Christmas in Nashville, Tennessee, and it aired on December 27th, with the idea being, of course, you could order the pay-per-view as a Christmas present and then everybody watch it. So I wonder, I wonder why... Sorry. I wonder why Nashville, I mean, they probably could get something cheap to rent there as far as the venue. I don't know. It's really weird to me. It seems like that would have been something in the Northeast or the Midwest, you know, more of a hotbed for WWE. You know, why wasn't in Ohio or New Jersey or Philadelphia or Boston or New York or you know, anywhere up there? Uh, why Nashville, Tennessee, which was not an area they were running real hot and heavy in 89? Odd. Uh, but interestingly enough, you do have two of the greatest matches of all time happen in Nashville in 1989. You got uh, Wrestle War with Ricky Steamboat mm-hmm. and Ric Flair, yeah, and then the classic. subsequent Terry Funk angle with the pile driver through the table. Fast forward a few months, and you have Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake against Randy Savage and Zeus. There you go, Nashville, putting it on the right map. Now. Yeah, I mean, if double if Double J just would have been there, we would have had a trifecta. The undercard that night featured uh, Dusty Rhodes and Big Boss Man, The Ultimate Warrior, and Dino Bravo, um, Andre the Giant Haku against Axe and Smash. Axe was here again, not only in the movie, but also in the match, just this time wearing paint. There you go. And Kurt Henning beat Ron Garvin. Beautiful. Excellent. I like Kurt Henning a lot. A lot. I like Kurt Henning better than I like this movie, uh, but I love the movie, so that tells you where I'm at on Kurt. I'm glad you picked this movie. Like I said, had we done, had we, had we done uh, again? There's not very, uh, there's not a whole lot of other wrestling movies. Uh, 
but this is by far uh, super entertaining, and I enjoyed it. So, hey, hey, I appreciate the opportunity for you to have me and, and talk about, you know, a pretty terrible movie, but uh, really great if you grew up a WWF fan in the '80s as a little kid. Well, there are a lot of a lot of folks in the wrestling industry that are in the movie, which is awesome. So, hey, I want you to do me a favor. Tell me one thing that you're into. What, what's uh, something you're into right now? Just specifics. Uh, it's hard for me to say. I'm into the podcast. Uh, I'm into watches. Um, I'm into Alabama of, football. What kind of watches? I, I collect all, I mean, just lots of watches. Uh, I do have some Rolexes. I have some Hublots. I have some Breitlings. Uh, I, I just like interesting watches that are that are collectible or hard to find. Uh, one of my favorites from a few years ago that a lot of people have not heard about is Devon, D-E-V-O-N. Uh, it's an interesting watch. I have a couple of different versions of the tread, and uh, if you've never seen it before, it's worth checking out. It's made here in the United States, and they have some pretty interesting concepts. So That's I'm cool. a bit of a watch nerd. Yeah. And how long have you been into watches? Forever? I got my first Rolex in 2002, okay. and I thought that would be the only watch I ever had and yep. just wore it every day. It was a Rolex Submariner mm-hmm. uh, with the date and the Cyclops. And then in 06, I got my second watch, which was a Breitling. And then in 07, I got a quorum, and before I knew it, um, we were off to the races, and I was in trouble. I had I had a full <laughs> obsession. That's so a pricey. I, I've, had, yeah. I've had a real uh, watch problem for 10 years. That's cool, though. That's a good problem to have, though. You'll always have time if you have a watch problem, right? <laughs> Here's the deal. If you're going to have a good time, you got to have a good watch. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. Well, hey, Conrad, thank you so much for coming on today. Um I told you, my friend, we would get going, and we would get sidetracked here and there. I, I, you knew that would be the case, but I, I enjoyed every second of it, and I'm just glad you were willing to come on and do this today. I can't believe, you know, the movie was 93 minutes, and we've been talking for almost that now. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Uh, I didn't think it was possible to talk about a 93-minute movie for an hour, but we have managed to do it, and I appreciate you letting me go on tangents. Sorry if I offended anyone today. Be sure to send your hate tweets to at hey, hey, it's Conrad, <laughs> and I will be sure to promptly respond, call you a stupid idiot, and block you. There you go. Beautiful. Well, Conrad, thank you so much, and uh, you're always welcome. And uh, you're great, my friend. You are a, uh, a man a man amongst men. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on the show and I'd like to encourage everybody one more time to check out MLW Radio, Woo Wednesdays, the Ric Flair Show, every Wednesday at 9 p.m. And, of course, on Friday, it's something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard. That drops Fridays at noon at MLWRadio.com. Throw a subscribe button on both of those. Do us a favor. We'd appreciate it. All right. Well, Conrad, thank you so much, buddy. 